people start to form routines and habits that aren't necessarily great positives for the business and when you don't address them immediately they really get settled in and it totally impacts the business you may have hired the right person but they're in the wrong seat you know like you find a quality person who works hard but they could not be adept to certain tasks and that just means like you may need to pivot their their role mm -hmm. doesn't mean the quality of the person is bad it's just they're not in the right seat that keeps them in their sweet spot welcome to the cashflow bows podcast chris Welcome. Appreciate you having me, man. It's It's been a long time. Mm -hmm. um, I've been trying to get you on for three, four years now, and you just keep turning me down. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Before yeah. the podcast even yeah. existed. <laughs> no, man. Um, so you are actually a part of a mastermind group that we were both a part of. Yeah. And we, but we met before that because you bought an investment property from one of my clients. That's right. Yeah. And um, it was funny because who connected us, Blake, who's also in our mastermind group. Mm -hmm. He, uh, it was funny because he was like, you got to meet this guy, Chris. He reminds me of you. Uh, and just kind of, he was talking about just the determination to invest, the mm -hmm. sharpness and all that kind of stuff, which was a compliment, I think, to both of us, um, yeah. you know, because he, he sits down with a lot of people every year and they say, hey, Blake, how do you get involved with investing? How do you, you know, do stuff? And he's told me numerous times that we are kind of some of the only few that have actually taken action steps and followed through on his advice. So, uh, yeah, that's exciting. And so through that journey, you know, you became part of the mastermind, started to get to know you there, and then you started a business. And I was like, we got to have you on the podcast to talk about the business, what you help investors with, and then just a little bit about your journey. So yeah, yeah. appreciate you coming out. Yeah, it's been great, man. It's funny because uh, Blake pretty much said, I think he said the same thing to both of us. You know? <laughs> like, you're going to have to meet this guy. He reminds me of you like two years ago. Yeah. You know? yeah. Or no, like you're like him two years ago. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So anyway, it's just a funny, it's funny how those things work out, you know? Yeah, so, it's great. Yeah. So, okay, so let's start from the beginning kind Kind of, um, you did some service work in the service industry for a little while, mm -hmm. and then you kind of merged into management and Grimco and all that kind of stuff. So tell us a little bit about your background and kind of where you came from and kind of learned your business sense. Sure, sure, yeah. So I would say that I started in restaurants many, many years ago, kind of worked my way up through management, you know, uh, uh, fell into um, what I'm doing now, which is uh, what you were saying Um with a company called Remco, we're a, a commercial contractor company. You know, operate in nine states. We've got 250 employees now. Kind of grew the business. Kind of quadrupled the business over the last wow. you know, four or five years. So, it's been a pretty wild ride in terms of you know, managing <laughs> all of that. But it's uh, uh, you know a lot of lessons learned along the way. One of the things that we we did is we started to purchase other other uh, service companies as well. Right. And when we started buying these companies. You know, this owner would be a real estate investor, and then the next company that we would buy, this guy was a real estate investor too. And I'm, right. I'm just thinking, what is going on? You're you like know, piecing like, it all together. Yeah, You're like, like, hmm, maybe yeah, like, maybe there's something to there's say. So, yeah, what, what, like, okay, something's going on here because right. these guys keep, uh, you know, whatever. So this keeps showing up. So I, I called one of the guys, you know, because we'd built a relationship after we had purchased the company, and um, I just said, tell me about, uh, tell me about real estate. Like, what's the deal here? You know. And he had used his service company as kind of like a uh, kind of a cash engine, so to speak. And so every month he was buying a property, buying a property. He did that for 20 years, something like that. 
And, um, and so he, he just started to, to talk to me a little bit about it, get me interested in it. And uh, he said, have you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? And I said, no, what is that? It's, oddly enough, I had the book, but I'd never read it. So right, right. Somebody had given it to me at some point. <laughs> it's like yeah. the gateway drug. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I read the book, and I called him back, and we just started having conversations. And, um, you know, I just started digesting a lot of a lot of podcasts, a lot of yeah. books. You know, I tried to I, – I, it's funny how – when you're not aware of something, you don't really pay attention to it. Once I became aware of real estate investing, I started to recognize how many people I actually knew that were in the space, you know, in real estate space. So I started having all these conversations with those individuals, and it, and it kind of really led me down the pathways to start start the business that we started in 2020. It's weird now today, you know, saying 2023. You know, I right. like we're still in it, but it's not. So yeah, yeah. first of the year. It's the first <laughs> podcast of the year. Yeah. You know, actually, so. you're the second conversation that I've had in uh, 2024. First one with my wife. You know, so you're the second real person I've seen in 2024. <laughs> <laughs> I feel honored. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So so you kind of caught that real estate bug, like mm-hmm. I said, got the gateway drug of, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I think the great thing about that book is, you know, I think it gives you an overview of how money operates, how the world works. And if you ultimately want your money to make more money, there's a few avenues that you can do it, but there's not, uh, and they're not uh, hard in the sense of like complicated, but they require a lot of hard work Mm -hmm. basically is what it comes down to. And so, um, same with me, you know, read that and kind of went on the journey too of like, okay, you know, how do I figure out how to make my finances grow and create financial freedom and stuff. So that's incredible that you went on that journey (laughs) similar Mm -hmm. to me. But, um, so, so I want to talk, break apart a little bit about your management experience, you know, at Remco and, different things that you've done there that have kind of informed this next step of yours as far as like, you know, starting, um, you know, the repair company and different things like that. But Mm -hmm. you, you've been doing that for a while. Talk me through some of the key traits of a successful business, you know, cause you analyze a lot of different businesses. Mm -hmm. And so you get to see healthy businesses, I'm sure that just have a owner who wants to exit. It's been their time. Mm -hmm. And then I'm sure you take on some businesses who probably have some unhealthy aspects to it and the owners probably burn out because of those unhealthy aspects. So I want you to just talk me through just a few unhealthy things that you see in businesses that mm-hmm. keep coming up and then, you know, a few things that are health, consistent things that come up in healthy businesses. Sure. I would say that it, it's really um, something that's probably consistent across every business that we've bought or integrated and acquired is when the owner is highly engaged in the business, you know, it's top down, right? Right. I mean, but whatever the leader's doing, everybody else is going to follow essentially. Right, right. So when the owners are engaged in the business, they are they're paying attention to things from the ground up in terms of how things are operating, what people are focused on, whatever. Um, those businesses tend to be pretty pretty successful. Yeah. Um, it's the ones where, like, we just bought we bought one. Um, I don't know, three months ago. And the guy had his uh, sister was running the business. Um, he was he'd pop in every now and then. Um, he it's just he wasn't super engaged, you know. Like he he had worked in the business for a really long time. He'd been around for twenty five years, and so probably for the first fifteen years he was highly engaged. But for the last ten, he was just mm-hmm. kind of 
treating it like, uh, you know, somebody else is running it. I'll pop in whenever I want to, whatever. And you start to find a lot of just oddities in those types of businesses. You know, um, there's just, there's things start to, people start to form routines and habits that aren't necessarily great positives for the business. And when you don't address them immediately, they really get settled in and it totally impacts the business. And sometimes it's not things that you can see just whenever you're doing kind of due diligence processes either, you know? So it's like, it's kind of the, the cultural, I mean, I guess you could use culture as a part of it, but um, just the way that people think the philosophy behind how they approach everything starts to change whenever the leader's not, when the owner's not super engaged in the business. So that's, and that, that impacts every aspect of the business too, you know? Um, it's kind of like the, the, you know, taking a cookie from the cookie jar. Well, nobody said anything, you know, maybe I could take another one, you know, take another cookie. Well, still nobody said anything, you know, and that kind of mindset starts to prevail in all different aspects of the business. So I think what you said was very interesting because it's not people are people, mm -hmm. you know, and there's going to be bad habits that start to form and or, you know, poor practices or, you know, maybe some even dishonesty, you know, mm -hmm. that happens. And that's just going to happen no matter in any business. But I think what you said was they're so removed from the the management process that they don't nip it in the bud and say, "Hey, let's redirect. Mm -hmm. This is the this is the standard. This is where we want to be." And so then those potential inconsistencies or poor choices become a habit, become a trait of the business. Yeah. Um, and then it ingrains itself in the culture rather than saying like, "Hey, we messed up here, but let's fix it." Hey, we messed up here, but let's fix it again, mm -hmm. you know, and just kind of keep redirecting the ship because as a manager, that's your role is to see the issues and redirect the ship. That's right. Know? Yeah. No, nobody's ever going to, as an owner in the business, no one in that business will ever care as much as you do, you yeah. know? And um, so you either have to find somebody that does and then give them some skin in the game, you know, so that they have a reason to be there or you have to stay fully engaged in the business, you know? And so some people treat it like that. You know, it's almost like when you talk about passive income or passive investing, you know, or um, there's really no such thing, you know, I mean, there's some level of engagement that you're going to have to have in it. And whether, whether that's investing in the right people that you surround yourself with and then giving them skin in the game or just staying invested yourself, you know, um, but you have to do one of those two things, you know, otherwise, otherwise you may not see it happening. It may take a year uh, to kind of unravel, but it's happened. It's going to unravel at some point, you know? Yeah. So what would you say is the number one trait you see in businesses that are healthy? Um, a number one trait in businesses are healthy. I would say that, um, um, I would say that it's, it are the, the, the businesses that are really hard. I mean, it's kind of a, it's kind of a cliche saying in business, you know, hire hard, manage easy, mm -hmm. you know, spend more time finding the right people those are the ones that are more successful. You know, they, they either accidentally found the right person who was very passionate about whatever it was that they were doing, or they worked really hard to find that individual. But those yeah. are the people that really kind of make a successful business. And, I, and I'm assuming too, it's like getting, you may have hired the right person, but they're in the wrong seat. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like you find a quality person who works hard, but they could not be adept to certain tasks. And that just means like you may need to pivot their their role. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean the quality of the person is bad. It's just they're not in the right seat that keeps them in their sweet spot yeah. of skill sets, you know, Yeah, and, that comes, and passion, you know. And what you just said comes down to the leadership too. So whether that's the owner or the person yeah. that's running the business, you got to have a vision for – I think that people would be surprised at how much time I spend thinking about them, right? You know, I've actually had to tell some of my managers that, like, you guys are pretty much all I think about, you know, like what what you need, what we're, what we need to be focused on from development standpoint, what you're going to need, you know, next month, next year, you know, where do I see you three years from now? Do you see yourself there, you right. know? So when you're not spending that amount of time thinking about the people that are helping you accomplish everything that's being accomplished, then you're thinking about the wrong things. You know, you should be thinking about your people and your customers and that's about it. You know, and I I think it starts with the service first mentality of putting others before you. And ultimately that will pay you back in dividends. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know that even, even when I think about tenants and how I'm working with them and processing, like I think about, you know, if I can benefit them, then they will, ultimately it's going to pay back to me as well. Yeah. So they're going to stick around. They're going to stick around. They're going to be happier. They're going to pay on time, you know? And so does that mean I, I bend the rules so much that they take advantage of my business? Mm -hmm. No, but it's also like, how can we create win-win situations instead of being so legalistic to the law Mm -hmm. that, you know, they're unhappy and, and ultimately it's not a win-win situation, you know? So one investor I learned from a while ago, you know, he he would he would go in if someone was like, hey, we want to move. He would be like, well, let's have a conversation. Why? You know, and they could be like, oh, the bathroom's just, you know, kind of messed up now. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, shoot, I'll go in and put a new bathroom in for you. You know, if, the, if these things need to be fixed and he would go do it and they're happy mm-hmm. as can be and they stay. And, you know, we all know tenant turns can cost a lot of money. So for him to do a two or $3,000 bathroom renovation is a lot better than renovating the whole house when the mm-hmm. tenant turns, plus finding a tenant, plus the lost income. And so it's smart to have these conversations and say, how how can we create a win-win mm-hmm. situation with these, you know, with these people he, you're serving? He was taking a long-term mindset on it too, though, you know. I, yeah. I think that that's where a lot of people lose is because they're thinking about the short-term gains and, and you know, like the short-term loss of having to spend that money, you know. But I want a tenant for forever that's yeah. a good tenant, you know. Like I'm losing a tenant right now that I'm devastated <laughs> over <laughs> because he – you know, we, we'd had a conversation. His uh, his lease comes up in February. Right. He was going to sign for another year. I was excited because I wasn't going to have to. He's been great. You know, he's like a watchdog in the neighborhood because I've got another property that's next door too. But uh, he's moving to be closer to his father, whatever. And so, um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, we want, I mean, they, they're customers. Those are our customers, you know, yeah. as real estate investors, you know. And we have to think, we have to think about that, you know. And customers really care about two things can I trust you and can you solve my problem, you know? And so, you know, you establish the trust early on, but then the we have to solve their problems along the way too and kind of think ahead of, of some of those things for them because I don't like looking for tenants. I don't know about you, but it is a pain in the butt. You know? Yeah, I mean, I would say looking for tenants is the hardest part of the process. Yeah. Finding, I mean, similar to finding a good employee. Yeah. Finding a good tenant who's willing to take care of the property and pay on time mm-hmm. and then you in turn, 
get out there for repairs quickly and you take care of the property yourself, you know, I think hire it's hard man and juicy, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like search tenant hard, <laughs> manage lease easy. I don't yeah, know yeah. how that works out. Um, but yeah, the tenant process is the, is the definitely the hardest part. Mm-hmm. But every time that I go back on some of my principles of like, when I have those check boxes that don't get checked of like, uh, this is marginal and I bend on it, it ends up not going as well, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, so yeah. Um, through the years, I've kind of learned on a few things that are kind of non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. So um, what you have rented to a few people, do you have some of those non-negotiables that as you're vetting tenants and thinking through it, are you still learning that process? Like Learning, yeah. yeah. Because you know, I, while I have interviewed... God knows how many people just in the business world, you know, I've like, I've brought a lot of that skill set with me as, is you know, cause you can call BS on certain things pretty quickly, right. you know, but, um, but, uh, I'm still learning, you know, I mean, there's, cause you get into, you know, you know, you have the basic lease agreement that you start out with and then you, you know, you try and learn as many lessons as you can from other people whether it's a podcast or a book or whatever, you know, people that you know that are saying, you better make sure you add that, you better, you don't need that, whatever, whatever, you know, and then you get your own tenants and then you have your own problems and then you start to learn things that you do and don't want, you know? So I've been pretty fortunate with the tenants that I've had so far. Um, It's like I'm waiting for that bad one to come because he's going to, you know, or she's going to, but still a lot of lessons to be learned, you know? It's an, it's an ever evolving process. Mm -hmm. And I think what's also interesting is, you know, at the end of the day, you're right. You're going to have several good ones and then you're going to have a bad one. That's just kind of the nature of of things. But in general, you are solving someone else's problem, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and I'm not saying there's not hurdles or reason why people ultimately need to rent in different situations, but they have a, they have a problem that they at the moment, don't want to have long-term residence and own the property. Mm-hmm. And so you're solving a problem for them. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately, you have to approach it from that standpoint. Like you said, do they trust you and can you solve their problem? Mm-hmm. And if you can do those two things, then they're probably happy. So, yeah. so talk me through, you've got a few properties now mm-hmm. under your belt, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. I think the first one's always the hardest one. And it then was. it just kind of grows from there. Um, what are your future plans for investing well, I would say that, uh, you know, we, so we, in addition to kind of starting the real estate, real estate investment uh, journey, um, also started a, a business this year or in 2023. So weird. Uh, uh, but it's a, you know, it's a renovation company. Um, it's part renovation company, part uh, real estate investment company. So I think a lot of our focus has been in trying to build up the uh, kind of our resources and our competencies uh, this year, you know, we work a lot in single family homes and in apartment uh, turnover right now. So we are trying to build up to get into the multifamily and commercial space. That's ultimately where we want to hen- end up. But we're spending a lot of our time right now in uh, single family home uh, space. You know, we're doing flips where we haven't done any buy and hold investments yet uh, with this new company. But that's kind of been a lot of my time has been going into that. And I kind of shifted away a little bit from real estate investing while I was building this building yeah. this kind of piece of it up, you know. Yeah. You actually helped a client of, of uh, mine out. So we had a property that, you know, tenant had moved out, mm-hmm. needed, you know, not like a full flip, but needed a decent amount, 10K plus worth of work to kind of get it up to snuff to bring it to market. Mm -hmm. And you guys went through and did an incredible job getting floors done and 
um, cabinets and, you know, painting all the things and yeah. renovating stuff. So, um, that was a huge win that, that you guys got that business. Um, he had like nothing but great things to say about dealing with you guys, that's which awesome. is awesome. Yeah. We appreciate that. I mean, we, I mean, that's what we're, that's, that's our goal is for people to walk away and be able to not have anything but great things to say, you know? So you started that business, you're kind of starting to ramp it up and scale it, working mm -hmm. with some property managers in town, mm -hmm. and then also obviously trying to eventually, the bigger goal is to start acquiring some of your own stuff in that in that portal and, and start to backlog some, some rentals with that company, which mm -hmm. is awesome. So I guess in that space, you'll, you'll use your contracting connections to renovate the properties and get them ready for rent or is mm -hmm. that the plan kind of they kind of co coincide yeah so we the idea behind the property management relationships is that you know they're they're managing between all of the relation uh, pm relationships that we have they're managing thousands of single family homes in the birmingham metro area um and having it's it's kind of a pipeline for us on one one uh, one aspect because there's portfolios that are within those that they manage that you know that investor's going to end up selling right you know, we've already seen them turn some portfolios over in the time that we've been doing work for them so mm -hmm. it's having inside access to some of those portfolios for purchase whenever we're ready um it's also kind of um uh going through the trials ourselves as a new company and, and knowing some of the the things that we need to to understand about that that world so to speak and then um but we're adding you know we, we do residential renovation work as well we do um we are working with some wholesalers to do some flips as well too so um right now it's really kind of like building all of the skill sets that we need and the systems and processes that we want to have in place so that we can go a lot bigger a lot faster you know mm -hmm. so i would say that we're we're staying tight on purpose in terms of uh not moving too quickly to grow uh e even i say that we've uh, doubled our revenue in the last two months you know so uh, even even though i say that we have, <laughs> you're growing <laughs> yeah we are growing you know but but we're trying to stay really focused on our processes and systems you know so that we're we have a really strong rhythm to the way that we move so that when we're ready to take bigger steps that we can we can start taking some of those bigger steps that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. What's some of your all's philosophy? Because I, you know, they, there's the triangle of like, you can't have all three, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like quick turnaround, you can't have it cheap and you can't have a quality. Right. You've got to pick two, yep. you know? So where do you feel like, you know, you know, in a perfect world, you guys would be all three, mm -hmm. but where do you lean towards as far as, you know, your objectives and your, your company ethos um, that kind of is the guiding light? Like we're going to, what two are you going to bring? and um to the maximum you know i would push back on that a little bit by saying that that's really up to the customer and what they want you know mm -hmm. like we can deliver we can deliver um i forget how it goes it's like it's like you can have good and you can't have good and fast or you can't have uh you can have fast and cheap or yeah you can i mean you can have uh fast and good but it's going to cost you a lot of money that's right yeah you know or you can be cheap and good, but it's going to take a long time. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> and the flip side is it, it can be expensive uh, or it can be cheap mm -hmm. and it can be, you know, fast, but the quality is going to suffer. Yeah. So um, our estimate process, whenever we're when we're going through the renovations uh, or doing the surveys anyways, we follow like a good, better, best model, you know? So we actually give our clients the the opportunity to make the decision about what they want, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. So we, we show them, we show them what, um, 
Uh, and it, we don't call it cheap, you know, but if you want it fast and you want it done inexpensively, this is what that looks like. Yeah. You know, if you want a different level of quality and you want us to spend a little bit more time on these areas, this is what that cost looks like. And then, you know, we're not going high end by any means. Uh, you know, we're not doing any, um, we're not at that level, you know, with some of the subs and contractors and then our employees as well. Right. So I would say that we, we probably do, uh, we could do most residential work, but I mean, we're not going into mansions and doing bathroom remodels or anything yeah, like yeah. that, you know? So, yeah, you need a master uh, tile guy. Uh-huh. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That, uh-huh. That's a whole nother level it of, is. uh, the tile was imported from, uh, <laughs> Italy, <laughs> yeah. Italy, it's so. the Italian white marble. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> need to be handled with care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Why does he have uh, rose oil that he's dripping over each one of these tiles individually? <laughs> it's <Yeah>. blessed. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. Yeah. It's, it's been cool to see your growth. Um, like I said, it's been great to have you as a resource to send our clients to mm-hmm. you know a lot of um, people we work with are just looking for a good quality um, you know person who's going to renovate and ultimately like bring you know like do what they say they're going to do yeah you know like you said the trust the trust being built and um, I think that's going to continue to grow in this next year mm-hmm. what are your plans I guess for 2024 like do you have like is there a revenue key mark you're trying to hit mm-hmm. or is it more just hey we're trying to hit these um projected like personnel things and the money will come as you know as we bring up the quality and bring up the connections and networking like mm-hmm. how do you approach such an early business in a new year because you don't have a ton of metrics you just started know, so yeah. you don't have year over year metrics to say hey yeah. if our revenue you know does this we're going to be at this point you yeah. know so yeah it's so funny that you you say that because we were we so we had a we had a meeting with the partners last night just to kind of like you know i just wanted to talk about how cool 2023 was and you yeah know, excited to kind of get into 2024 but you're right i mean typically what i'm used to being able to do is say you know in a business that we've had 30 years worth of metrics you know we can go back and take a look at what we do on average you know and you know we say this is what we think on average we'll do 10 percent more every single year and so you add 10 percent to whatever that revenue is and you know what your revenue per employee is and so you take the top line number divide it by revenue per employee and that's how many people that you need to generate that revenue and then you start hiring and then right you know what i mean yeah so to your point um it is tough and so you really just look at income and expense 100 percent and um knowing that we're going to incur this new expense and what is that going to do to our margins? You know, how much revenue do we need to, to be able to cover this expense? And you know, do we need to make pricing adjustments or whatever? So we really just settled in on kind of a average weekly revenue goal that we're trying to hit and uh, that should cover our goals, you know, in terms of what we want to accomplish. But most of that is also surrounding making sure we get the right people in place, too. So, you know, we have several more employees that we want to hire in 2024 to nice. be able to accomplish things. There's... Um, you know, the big thing that I've talked about, and I just said this last night to these guys, is the processes and systems that we have to get put in place now. Um, if we don't get practiced and build those into our routines, you can't because we actually we're going to 4x what we're going to do, what we're doing now in 2024. So, mm-hmm. you know, four times more than what we're doing today. Well, it will be. Um, uh, and, and so I just I told them to I want you to think about every process, every everything that you do every single day and doing four times more than that, you know. So like how do we have to restructure our mindset or our plan or our system or the people that we're using to be able to make that happen? 
And so while we do have revenue goals and margin goals, it's really about the systems and processes to 4X, you know, 2024, what we did in 2023. Right. yeah, that's that's awesome, and it also ties in four X for twenty twenty four. You know, it's, it's a beautiful. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, Grant Cardone's got the ten X, so you know, yeah, in twenty in twenty thirty. We're going to eleven X it. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Do you find so when I was working in a different industry, I would find when we would hire someone new, output didn't two X. Mm-hmm. It so the the output would grow about fifty percent. And then the quality would go up 50%. Mm-hmm. And these are rough margins. But, you know, with Remco and different things, have you noticed that, that that it's kind of this, it's not necessarily like like 100% more output? There's a ramp up period for sure, you know. So yeah. like we, uh, it depends on the position, depends on the role within the company as to how quickly, you know, but we always call it, we call it a runway, you know, like you have to give them enough runway to be able to take off and fly, you know. And some runways for some roles are months, months long, you know. Uh, there's a lot of training and development that goes into that. And um, uh, because everybody comes into any business with a certain mindset of how they're used to doing things. And, you know, I would say that any successful business has got a pretty stringent way of, of certain processes anyhow, you know, and it takes a lot to learn all those things. There's a lot of circumstance that you have to go through, a lot of situations you have to go through to learn that, oh, we don't do it that way, we do it's it this nuances, way. It's the nuances, yeah. Yeah, there yeah. is, yeah, nuances, there's a ton. So Yeah, I'm working through, so I'm changing some of the admin who helps me with the real estate side of things, and mm-hmm. we're working through some of that. And, I, and it's funny, I describe it as like I'm trying to teach like, 115 minute sprints Mm -hmm. because a lot of that admin role is like, Hey, do this thing real quick. And it's done in 15 minutes, but it may take you 30 minutes to teach them how to do it Mm -hmm. and teach, you know, talk about it, the nuances of it, how it's to be done. So the, the onboarding process is just very time consuming and we're still in the middle of it. And so, you know, I initially had it, had unrealistic expectations Mm -hmm. that that role would be, train faster mm-hmm. and then just through the process i'm like this person's doing great but it's just going to take longer it like is, you said that runway is it just, takes twice as long dude i mean when, when you have anybody that's new you're spending twice the amount of time in the beginning than you will long term but we hit a point and this is i just learned this uh because i mean i had to force myself through it i guess but we hit a point in um the commercial business where we had essentially tripled the size of the company and we were adding in some middle management layers and we were just doing some things. And I I wore a lot of hats in that company. And so I could not physically handle all of my responsibilities anymore. And I ended up developing four people that took over uh, different areas. But for a year, it was just I mean, like, I was hell for a year, you know, mm-hmm. because I was spending so much time with each one of them, answering so many questions and trying to, you know, uh, challenge their way of thinking, whatever. I remember one of uh, one of them came into my office one day, and she, she was in and out of my office probably, you know, 15 times a day, you know, mm-hmm. just different conversations, different questions, whatever, making sure she was doing the right thing. And I had other people that were doing that exact same thing. So, I mean, all day I was on the phone or talking to somebody. And she was in my office one day, and she it happened like while she was sitting there, 
this guy called me, then this guy called me, and they were asking me all these questions, whatever. <laughs> You're like, conference call. Let's just get this that's, done with. That's right, yeah. So <laughs> she said, she said, because uh, she knew how much time she was taking away from me to, to learn more and, and ask questions. And she said, how many other people are doing what I do, like taking your time like this? And I said, oh, there's probably about three or four or five of you, you know? And she said, how do you do it all? I said, I just do it, you know? But... I didn't know then what I know now, but I was spending a ton of time developing them. And while it took me twice as long to do everything during that, maybe three times as long to do everything during that time frame, my freedoms now in my time are exponential, you know, because I know that they know how to to see this problem. I know that they know how to solve this, you know. And I will tell you, the biggest challenge for me was, and it's kind of like having kids too, to an extent. They're not going to do it the way that you did it. You know, sometimes they have to have the experience of failing or the experience of making the decision or feeling the weight of that decision, you know, and and they may not just solve it the way that you would solve it. it may not be as fast as the way that you would do it, but as long as it gets done the right way, that's all that really matters, you know? And, um, and if you take that away, you could, you could also, you know, miss out on some potential amazing opportunities, mm-hmm. Of different ways things could be solved if you just micromanaged everything. 100%, you know. And when you start teaching them a way of seeing the business and thinking rather than just showing them all these yeah. little tasks, they start bringing you things that are happening in the business or ideas that you just you didn't see it or you didn't have that idea or whatever. And it just makes the business better. But it is a ton of work. It's, you know, so I, I always challenge people to front load their time with somebody, spend more time with them in the beginning, really, really tightly. And you'll see, I have, my experience has been that it's, it pays off. So. Man, that's so good. And I mean, even the place that I'm at, you know, in that process, this is like helpful information for me. It's mm-hmm. like, I haven't nearly the management experiment experience that you do. And so to think think it through and be like, okay, this is just normal part of the process and mm-hmm. to re-engage and stay with it and ultimately like know that if you shortchange it, you're going to shortchange the long run, mm-hmm. you know, like in the, in the immediacy of it, I might feel like, oh, they're up and running and freedom. I have a little bit of freedom, but how much more freedom or how much more opportunities could we have if I sit in this moment of teaching mm-hmm. longer? basically yeah. and find the right person too because you know sometimes <laughs> you could follow that process of investing and been front loading all that time and it's the wrong person you know yeah. so yeah. then you're back to square one <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> yeah and then you're like shoot this uh, yeah. yeah yeah so uh this is phenomenal and i think what's great about your repair company um is that you're going to bring all of this i mean you are bringing it's not like you haven't already but bringing all of this management experience Mm -hmm. to a field that, to be honest, like, you know, there are, I think, a lot of really great, you know, um, people who do repair and contracting and stuff out there. But I think there are some who do lack the management side of the experience and just Mm -hmm. ultimately know how houses operate, know about plumbing, all that kind of stuff, passionate about it, excited to see how renovations go, but they lack the management side of things. And so there's like a cap on the service they can provide Mm -hmm. customers, um, whether it's in growth of their company or they do grow, but there's poor, um, there's poor quality because of the lack of management of systems. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when they scale, you know, things start to fall apart. So I think what's really exciting about you and your company is that you're bringing all of that level experience to a field. And I think you guys are going to, I think you're going to six exit, 
you know. <laughs> Can't maybe get we, the tin, yeah. Yeah, maybe yeah. we shouldn't we shouldn't hope for that. Maybe it's a little too much on your plate. But uh, um, well, I appreciate that, man. I mean, we're we're excited, you know. But we're, um, I I would say that it's really about teaching people a way of thinking. You know, like I think that there's there's always tasks to be done, but when you can teach somebody a way of thinking and seeing things. It totally like one of the challenges that we've had recently is just with our employees, not our subs, but our employees, is uh, is making sure that they're staying on task and like seeing everything that needs to happen on a job. Because what's going to help us grow is this guy can manage this job on his own. This guy can manage this job on his own. We don't have to be on site with these guys, you know, hundred percent of the time. Right. And so one of the things that we're going to start actually this week is we're going to start doing a kind of a kickoff meeting in the morning where we're walking through the entire project and the goals for the day. And there's also obviously management throughout the day. But then at the end of the day, we're going to be asking the employee to walk us through all of your tasks. You walk the group through your tasks today. And what could you have done differently in terms of affecting better quality or being more efficient with your time? And when you force somebody to think about the decisions that they had to make throughout the day, Mm. and they know that they're going to have to face those decisions at the end of the day and think through what could I have done better, you know, then it just creates a mindset of, you know, paying more attention, you know, being Mm. more engaged with what's happening. So I think that it's, it's about teaching a way of thinking is really what management comes down to in my opinion. Yeah. That's great, man. Yeah. Well, how do people get a hold of you and uh, reach out if they need a repair done or yeah. <laughs> renovation done? Yeah, or yeah. So all that we're, kind of stuff? we're terrible at social media so far. And, <laughs> um, so I would say the best way is just call me, text me, you know? So I'll, uh, uh, I guess you can put my yeah, phone we'll, number. Yeah, we'll, we'll put an email or something in the show notes yeah. and uh, have people reach out to you and, uh, you know, be able to get, get a hold of your company if they need something done. Or, or you can reach out to me and I can connect you and yeah. stuff. So, But, man, I'm super excited. And, and selfishly, I wanted this because, like, you have just a depth of knowledge when it comes to managing people, growing companies. Um and so, you know, I'm kind of in the middle of trying to grow my company and mm-hmm. trying to expand my team, um, even on a very, very much smaller scale than 250 people. Mm-hmm. But selfishly, I was like, this is going to be great because I'm going to gain something from your deep knowledge base on how you um, help serve people and manage people and help them grow, you know. So I appreciate the time and, yeah. uh, you know, excited for this year with uh, your company and it's just nothing but great things for this year for you. Cool. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, take it easy.